0: Mr. Sexton, Sam, it's Professor DeRoot. I feel rather emotional about Wendell's departure, and I feel I need to get out of town. What would you say about a road trip this Friday? We'll go up Route 66 and just see what we can find.
1: Hello, I'm Sam Sexton.
0: I'm Professor Joff DeRoot.
1: And you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we explore ghost stories and urban legends.
2: This episode is brought to you by books. After all, books are the most dangerous weapon in the universe, or so I learned from a TV series. You know who has written some books? Why both of our hosts, Jeff Provine and Dennis Spielman. Jeff has written and co authored several books about Oklahoma's ghost stories, while Dennis Spielman has written sci fi and urban fantasy novels. Go and buy one of their books after you listen to this podcast.
1: As the professor and I made our way through Oklahoma City to get on Route 66 heading towards Tulsa, I suggested that he use my audio equipment to record his thoughts and observations while I drove. I didn't tell him this, but I figured it would help him take his mind off of things. Plus, it would be good practice for him, so I've included his relevant audio logs, which we'll start with the first one.
0: Professor's log one. We have just entered Route 66. It was a dark and stormy day, almost as if there were forces against us, wanting to keep these stories of Oklahoma silent. Sam is driving, just navigating well through this thunderstorm. It's hard to see too much, but the ground seems very green thanks to all this. <laughs> professor's log two. We are now passing the famous Pops, where people come and drink Pops. It's well known for its 66-foot-tall Pops statue outside. It's not lit up currently, although it's dark enough it could be. Professor's log three. We've stopped at the Round Barn in Arcadia. This famous Route 66 icon has been here since before there was Route 66. Goes back to the 1890s, constructed by the Oder family, who saw these round barns in Indiana and decided to bring this idea to the wind-torn plains of Oklahoma. The gentleman there said that despite its history, it had no real ghost stories. He did mention someone who said that a phantom figure would be seen walking around outside from time to time, uh, with no one actually being there. However, doing further research, it is believed that the round barns began with the Shakers in the 1820s, who built round things so that there were no corners for spirits to hide in. I guess that's a good way to keep the ghosts out. Professor's Log Supplemental. We've been seeing a lot of sandstone through this area, which of course is geologically sound, as we get closer to the eastern part of the state, which is riddled with sandstone. We see buildings of it, and we just passed a ranch that had several sandstone blocks stuck far up into the air. According to mineralogy, sandstone is said to be a cheerful stone. Uh, it's created by wind and water, and thus leaches that creativity off uh, for the rest of its existence. Buildings built of sandstone are said to be very happy, creative spaces. It does seem cheerful, despite the rain. Professor's log... Oh. Professor's log... a little of it. There you go. Professor's log five. We've come to the Threat Family gas station. The Threat Family homesteaded in 1889 after this area was opened to settlements. Like many settlers in central Oklahoma, especially in this northern part of what became the Oklahoma district, they were African-American liberated slaves. The the community here grew up with uh, slaves liberated from the five civilized tribes as well as the South. The community was set on the outskirts of white communities. When Route 66 came by, it was noted that African-American travelers had very few places to stop, and children would often ask why do we need to pack so much food and water and toilet paper. But there are several oases that were established, uh, such as the Threat family gas station. They had prospered, worked hard farming, as well as opening up a sandstone quarry, and in 1915 built this gas station here. The building is fairly dilapidated, closed down, closed to the public, uh, very dark inside, but still has that sandstone squality of something's cheerful about it. There's a lot of promise here. I can only imagine the stories that are hiding inside. <laughs> professor's Log 6. We've stopped at Wellston, Oklahoma, at the Butcher's Barbecue Pit. It's quite good. Uh, very sweet, very Kansas City. Uh, if you don't like sweet barbecue, then what's wrong with you in the first place? But... This is not the place for you. We've asked several locals at the barbecue place as well as Bev's Travel Center, and no one seems to have any ghost stories. Once again, we've passed several abandoned buildings built all out of the sandstone. It must have a very calming energy, allowing this place to be free of many haunts. Professor's Log 7. We've stopped at the Warwick, Oklahoma, Seba Station Motorcycle Museum. It is packed with motorcycles, many of them international. I will need to read up more on Matchless and Triumph. There are very few American motorcycles here. A few Harley-Davidson's, just one Indian that I could see. Museums are notorious for having spiritual activity with things attached to the items they've collected. But the manager here says he's never heard anything. I guess these items are clean. Professor's log nine. We just passed a herd of albino deer. Not necessarily supernatural, but still quite weird. We got an interesting lead from some people who may be doing paranormal investigations in the town, but the museum itself was just history. As I say just, it was packed. We were filled with an entire room dedicated to the military history of Chandler, as well as a room dedicated to the famous cinematographer, Mr. Kelly, here in Chandler. We're going to check downtown now and see what we can find.
1: For the record, could you please tell us your first and last name and your title here?
3: Stephen Conway, and I'm the kitchen manager for Manville Avenue Coffee Company.
1: So, for those traveling along Route 66 in Chandler, and they come across this coffee shop, what can people expect to find?
3: Uh, We're a little bit more than a coffee shop. I think that's our first uh, question we ask is, are you guys just like a Starbucks? And my answer is, no, we are not. Uh, we are a specialty coffee shop, uh, which means we do original, uh, original coffees uh, and coffee drinks, but we, also, we are also a kitchen and, and uh, breakfast and, and lunch menu. Uh, so we're a little bit more than just a coffee shop um, and specialty coffee house, so we kind of do a little, little bit
1: of both. I've also noticed the coffee shop is rather large. It's like a community gathering space, wouldn't you say?
3: Yes. When we built the coffee shop, we kind of built it to be a community center as well. Uh, we're in a private private room off to the side of the coffee shop uh, where we we use local clubs like the Rotary Club, birthday parties, baby showers, uh, candle making club uh, throughout the week, Uh Got a little Bi- bit of everything. Little bit of, a little here. bit of Bible Bible study on Wednesday mornings, if you're if you're interested. Uh, so it is a, a gathering place for the community. Not you know, when they come in, have coffee. Sometimes they may not even drink coffee. but We still let them use the room.
1: When when did you all open?
3: Uh, we celebrated our first year anniversary
1: in June, uh, so we're a little over a year. Uh, so about going on a year and a half now. For those that aren't familiar, with uh, the town, what can you say about the town? Uh, Chandler
3: is uh, county seat of Lincoln County. Uh, central, middle, right between Oklahoma City and Tulsa on, uh, on the turn, turnpike in Route 66. Uh, the coffee shop itself is located on the original Route 66, uh, which gives us a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, vacation traffic during the summer, which is kind of a bonus. Uh, Chandler was uh, incorporated, and in, in kind of a fun fact about, about Chandler, it was not a part of the original land run in Oklahoma. Hmm. It was one of the two towns that had its own land run. Hmm. The town had its own land run uh, uh, before statehood, and then, of course, became uh, part of the uh, Oklahoma. Uh, but, but Chandler itself is a little over 100 years old. Uh, very, very unique town. Uh, if, you've, if you've been here, we're very well known for our uh, baseball camp, Chandler Baseball Camp, that's operated for years in Chandler. Uh, so we get a lot of people coming through town that had gone to the baseball camp when they were younger and, and ask about it. Uh, but it's a small community, very, very, very local, a lot of, a lot of locals.
0: Right. Professor mm-hmm. wh- what would you like to ask him about I'm curious about the history of the building
3: Uh the building we're in it's not the original building on or the location the original building uh burned down in uh a fire hmm. uh, actually and so we were built
1: Do you know what hap- what kind of fire
3: what happened what uh, the not don't know a lot of details. Actually, this is the, the second time. The first time, the entire, uh, I can't remember, the night, 1898, the entire downtown Chandler was uh, hit by a tornado. Hmm. And all the buildings either burned, were either, if they weren't uh, knocked down by the tornado, they were burned down by the fires afterwards. Uh, and several lives were lost in the downtown area and in, in the surrounding community. Uh, on the second rebuild, uh, this actual location was two separate buildings uh, that were built on this location. And they burned down in the fire as well. And so this is actually the third build, the third site oh. uh, of the downtown and that the building was built in 1908. Uh, in about 1950, the upstairs is a two story building. The upstairs were closed off and it was made into a department store. Uh, the upstairs mm-hmm. were originally doctor's offices, lawyer's offices and apartments. Um, but they were closed off in 1950s and uh, until we did our renovation started in, in October 2018. Uh, the upstairs hadn't been used at all. Uh, we did the renovation and not, starting in October twenty uh, seventeen, and renovated the building back to its original appearance in uh, the front of the building, as well as the upstairs and downstairs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can still see this old style all the, tin plate. All roof. the tin,
3: the tin plate roof is probably the first thing you see when you walk in. Mm-hmm. This original original roof in uh, the upstairs, the original roof and the original glass and doors. Uh,
0: from the original building are still being used. Mm-hmm. Which it was interesting to see inside windows. We had the central hallway running through and then the apartments broken up had their yeah. windows was into the hallway. The, the reason
3: for that, if you're walking down the, side, the hallway, if you notice the skylight, uh, that skylight was actually a retractable skylight and that was their air conditioning for the uh, apartments. Hmm. And hmm. so all the apartments are actually, and we haven't put them back on yet, had doors and screen doors. Wow. So during the summers, they would raise the raise the the skylight and have their screen doors, and so it was breeze. kind of it's kind of kind of a breeze. Uh, so they so the their screen the, the windows have screens, and the doors have screens because it was kind of a indoor outdoor uh, apartments upstairs that 's interesting
1: wow. i don 't think i 've heard of that
0: mm-hmm. it 's like a tenement story from new york city <laughs>
3: yeah, that's, It kind of if you're a, if you 're a Seinfeld fan
1: it reminds mm-hmm. me of kramer's screening the, on the
0: mm-hmm. screen door mm-hmm.
3: in his apartment
1: that 's what that 's what it looked like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> during the tour you were telling us about a possible ghost story named Lily. Can you tell us a little bit more about her yes the uh the windows in the upstairs
3: we were discussing are the original windows from the original building. So the the glass windows are hand blown glass windows, you know, from uh, that are over 100 years old. One of the windows has a name sketched in the in the window of uh, Lily, and we can you know that was kind of noticeable by the by the contractors when when they were, we were doing the renovations.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, during the renovation, some of our people that have uh, contractors that are working upstairs. They have. They have asked several questions about it, is anything going on upstairs that they need to know about they had they had had uh their their own uh their their own stories uh things while they were working being knocked over or mm. or pushed over as they're working or, or things have been moved and we kind of and even downstairs we haven't had any we hadn't had any anything downstairs happen but we know we hear sounds upstairs or someone walking or something being dropped upstairs and so we've always just kind of chalked that up to being lily lily's upstairs again mm-hmm. especially being in both uh two of the offices upstairs would be used as doctor's offices mm-hmm. uh you know uh back in the original building so that's kind of been that's kind of been that we just have named named our presence up there lily and anything that happens we just kind of chalk that up to lily's being being upstairs
0: with an interesting spelling
3: l-i-l-l-y R- right and that's a, and one of the one of the stories i shared earlier we had a uh, one day the phone kept ringing in and, and when you'd answer it, nobody would be there and one of the girls she slammed the phone down and she goes i can't that that can't be right and she says look at the caller id and the name of the caller ID was Lily, and it was spelled that L-I-L-L-Y, which is a very unusual spelling. Hmm. And in, in the last name, I can't remember the last name, but we looked it up and couldn't find anybody with that last name in the area. You know, back into the just kind of doing a quick search. Hmm. Yeah, so that having that name come up on the, then when you entered the phone, nobody was there. And so uh, that was you know Lily playing playing tricks on us that day with the with the with the telephone lines.
0: Hmm. Might be something to check out county death certificates.
3: All right. How many times does that happen? For the telephone, just that one day. And it hasn't happened, you know, after that, it hasn't happened again. Do you have any
1: other stories you wish to share?
3: No one is occupying the upstairs yet. You know, so we've been only been here for a year and only been downstairs. And it's just the, what we can, you know, the, kind of the thumps upstairs every now and then. Mm. Uh, so we haven't spent a lot of time, purposely, <laughs> haven't spent a lot of time upstairs yet. One of the offices in particular up there uh, that we haven't moved into yet, we haven't spent a lot of time uh, during the renovations, uh, it was pointed out very, very quickly. One of the walls, the light fixtures, the light uh, in the room and the baseboards along the wall the light was on uh, was perfectly clean. There was a coat of dust on the floor and a coat of dust on the windows and everywhere upstairs except for the light switch, the light in the baseboard, with hmm. a light, you know. So we, and that's where we say. Well, at least Lily's clean, uh, <laughs> you know. So whoever gets that office you know, they 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 have a built-in built-in
1: made. <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're welcome. Did you have anything oh. else to add?
0: Um, do you have any stories about any other buildings downtown?
3: Uh, again, this, the the six block area that we're in right now was destroyed by a tornado. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I think the count was 28 lives were, uh, were lost either through the tornado or through the fires that that happened. I've had a sister that worked in one of the other buildings located at the end of the block. Um, it was actually one uh, of the town, the Kentucky Liquor House, one of the town saloons. Actually, that at one time, there were six six saloons in the, on, on this block. Wow. Uh, two of them named Kentucky Liquor House. Uh, and she worked in the building, and it was a shoe store, and more than once she had commented when she would stock shoes and leave the, the storeroom, she'd hear it and all the shoes would be on the floor. Someone had uh, knocked all the, the shoes off the, off the stacks and she'd hear people laughing at her. And she'd say hmm. people were singing. She could hear people singing or people laughing.
4: Wow.
3: And she would, turn the lights on and she would back to her room. The lights were, were on. And she would just lock up and leave for the day. She didn't. She, <laughs> did, she didn't. like to stay around to ask ask questions or or see who who was there. But she had several instances again in the same block area that the, that, that was destroyed by the tornado.
0: Right. Which so much violent activity in the past is certainly going to leave things behind.
3: Yes, definitely. And the H and S theater. There's a theater in town uh, that was originally mm-hmm. a vaudeville uh, theater and it's now being operated in, you know, as a screen. Uh, but it was a uh, a movie house. And it has the, you know, all the original, original stage and original dressing rooms behind it. Uh, wow! And it's a little over 100-year-old theater. And uh, growing up, a friend of mine had worked in, worked there, had gone back there, and he said the same thing. There's just always doors open, doors closed, things mm-hmm. moved, and and so if you get a chance to stop by, and see the see the owners of the H and S Theater, it'd be a nice it'd be a nice tour to see.
0: Oh wow! Spirits love the theater. Love the theater. Professor's Log Supplemental. We stopped at the newspaper office, which gave us numerous leads on other towns in Oklahoma. It's interesting the connections between the small papers here in Oklahoma, without giving away too much of their own details. They give us a few leads, so we'll be following up on those. Meanwhile, it's back to the pavement, seeing what we can find. Professor's Log Supplemental. Renovation certainly does stir up things, even within these sandstone buildings. Speaking of sandstone, we're now moving toward the armory building, which is all built out of hand-carved sandstone. The armory has since been turned into the interpretive center for Route 66. We're going to see what we can find in there.
1: For the record, could you tell us your first and last name and your title?
2: Susan Pordos is executive director.
1: All right, thank you for taking the time to meet with us, Susan. Thank you. I thought it would be a good idea to stop at the Route 66 Interpretive Center to learn a little bit about the history for context for our listeners. So for those, Route 66 is pretty famous. So what, what makes it so famous? What makes it so special?
2: Well, it was the first highway that was built in the, in the United States going from east to west to connect the states and there's eight states. It starts in Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and, it, and the end of it is in Santa Monica, California. What are some famous
1: attractions on Route 66? Some of your personal favorites do you have?
2: Well, in Oklahoma, we have the blue whale that's in Catoosa, that's one of the most popular icons mm-hmm. in Route 66, and there's several museums. There's the Route 66 Museum in Clinton, there's so many places to stop, and a lot of the visitors that we get, they'll say that it's not just traveling, but it's who you meet along the way. And of course, in Oklahoma, we have the Round Barn in Arcadia, and we also have Pops with the big pop bottle that lights up at night, and has they have over, I believe, 800 different types of pop now.
1: Yeah, 800 is quite
2: that would it's a take a lot of flavors. Mm-hmm. That would take a
1: if you were trying every soda every day. It'd take you a couple of years yeah, to try two it through and every. Yeah, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about more about the place we're in right now.
2: Well, this is the home of the National Guard Armory that was um, started in. It was built in 1937 and it's a WPA project and all the bricks are handmade and they're made of sandstone and each brick's about 20 inches thick and all the rock was hauled in by a mule from a rock quarry just south of Chandler. And uh, there's a chipping tool on the wall as you walk in that shows, it's called an antique stone crandle and it's what they used to chip the stone to make it, give it texture. And so they used this building for the guard until 1972 and then they closed it down and built a newer facility over by the turnpike entrance and this one sat empty for several years and they had used it for storage and it came into really bad disrepair. So in 1998 there was a group called the Old Armory Restores Committee and they decided to renovate and it took them about 10 years and we had grant funding and matching funds, and we opened in 2007. And we're considered an entity of the city of Chandler.
1: So when people come to this museum, what can they expect to learn and find?
2: We have an audio-video museum that has short films on Route 66. There's six different stations, and the films are two to five minutes long. And then we have a 20-minute documentary film called Dick Besser's Route 66 Adventure. And it's a story about a man that went on Route 66 in 1959 with a couple of his college buddies. Then he went back again about 40 years later in his red Corvette, and it tells the difference between then and now, wow! And that's really popular. But we have several international visitors. They'll take off two or three weeks just to tour Route 66, and several in the United States, and several in Oklahoma.
1: Professor, would you like to take it away?
2: Uh, yes. So, what are some of the
0: famous haunted sites on Route 66?
2: Well, apparently, we have a ghost here, and his name's mm. Bruce. He's a friendly ghost, but there are several women that work here that have said that they have heard something or something happened that they you know they heard footsteps different things that have gone on hmm footsteps standard sounds poltergeist do you know where the name bruce comes from i don't know someone hmm. made it up <laughs> <laughs> or it's his name could be
1: sometimes it helps just to give things a name too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before we go is there anything else you want to share with us
2: we, um, there's a lot of history that, that's really, it's neat that we were able to renovate the place. And we rent out our, it's a former drill hall, but now it's an event hall that we rent out for weddings and receptions and banquets. It's about 8,000 square feet, and we have seating for up to about 325 people. So it's a really good venue for, and reasonably priced compared to a lot of other facilities.
0: <laughs> it should give Bruce plenty to do.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for your time, Susan. We appreciate it. Well, of course. Thank you.
0: Professor's log 11. On our way out the door of the Interpretive Center, we heard many stories about Bruce. One lady turned us on to another who turned us on to another, each with their own experiences. One said that he was a good-looking guy and, in fact, looked up his picture from the Chandler Alumni Association. Another told us that he liked to check in on the women's restroom. They said they would hear the door open and then close and then come out to see that no one was, in fact, inside. Bruce is most famous for making noise on the stage in the event hall. One lady talked about her children playing in the event hall, just having a good time, and then they heard stomping up and down. They ran in and said that the place is haunted. One woman told her own experience of hearing noise on the stage. She said that whenever that would happen, she would say, You know I'm scared to death of this stuff, Bruce. Please wait until I leave. And then it would stop. She said she wouldn't hear any noise at all until she hit the back door, and then the stomping would resume. But they all told us they've never felt afraid. One described him as if he were just a prankster ghost.
4: For the record, could you please tell us your name and your title? Well, my name is Jerry McClanahan and as far as title, I guess you'd say I'm a Route 66 artist, historian, mapper, photographer, stuff like that. Well, thank you for meeting with us. Sure, my pleasure. So we're traveling
1: Route 66 today, at least a small portion of it along Oklahoma. What can you
4: tell us about this historic route? Well, uh you want in general, like the history going back to 26, or do you want about how it is today? Or I mean, I could talk to you for hours about Route 66, you know. Well, I'll take your word for that. Let's kind of keep it kind of in general, a little bit of history. Well, it was uh, designated as a U.S. highway in 1926. It uh, adopted the existing roads, which were mostly unpaved dirt roads, but it was immediately the next decade uh, paved and straightened and improved and in fact it never stopped being improved until the day the interstates finally took it over and it uh, ceased to be a US highway in 1985 but you know all the news reports said it was dead they eulogized Route 66 it was a ghost you know hmm. but uh, with people that loved it refused to let it die so uh, it's alive and kicking now it's historic Route 66 what can people find on it at 66 basically whatever they're looking for uh you can find a time that used to be in the past you can find a time that's still existing now into the future there are attractions and oddities there are characters and interesting people there's museums there's abandoned uh, businesses there's beautiful scenery there's giant alerts giant sized things along the road just It's scenery, history, personalities. It's America.
1: So what are some of your personal favorite attractions on the route in Oklahoma?
4: Well, in Oklahoma, I'd definitely say the Blue Whale in Catoosa. I'd say the Round Barn in Arcadia. I would say the actual 1933 concrete highway and its beautiful bridges from uh, El Reno to Hinton, Oklahoma.
1: Hmm.
4: And uh, there's just so much in Oklahoma there's so much goodness there's so many neat little towns and so many the uh, giant totem poles near foyle oklahoma what
1: would you like people to know about route 66 that they just may not realize
4: it's not dead and you can drive at least 85 percent of it across the country and uh, it's safe you can find it easy it's full of friendly people and it's fascinating
0: what are some of the big urban legends about Route 66?
4: Okay. Uh, they, the people have claimed it was the first road across the country, and it was not. It was first one paved, and it was not. There's just things like that where a reporter will naturally try to make his story seem more important, so it kind of gets embellished. Uh, there's legends like here in Oklahoma about the counterfeit gas station near Luther to where they were caught making a $10 counterfeit plates in the uh, back of it. And there's a little doubt about that because uh, a researcher could not find any newspaper reports back from the era about them being caught or convicted. Hmm. Uh, there is, uh, like, Ernest Hemingway supposedly wrote Old Man and the Sea at this uh, motel in Cubero, New Mexico, and he did not. Uh, Clark Gable supposedly had a honeymoon at this uh, motel in Oatman, Arizona, and he probably did not, you know, but... The story's so good that it's it's tough to put a kibosh on them. Now, close to Oklahoma, in fact, I guess, I guess it includes Oklahoma for sure, uh, the tri-state spook light, hmm. which is uh, reached from the area of uh, Baxter Springs, Galena, Joplin. It's an area near the uh, boundaries of the three states there where people have reported seeing since Indian times these spook lights. You go out to this scary little dirt road, and you look in one direction, and supposedly the light comes up. Uh, I, I, I had a uh, friend take me out there, Dean Walker, Crazy Legs. He turns his feet around backwards, and he's one of the inspirations for Toe Mater, hmm. driving backwards, hmm. and he, he's a character. He took us out there, and it's night, and there's other people watching. You look way down at the end of the road, and there is a little light. And it does seem to hover, but, you know, it's, it's so far away. But he claimed it got on the hood of his car and stuff like that, and that's some of the stories. Hmm. It's possibly just headlights on nearby Route 66 being refracted by the, you know, the heat of the day after the sun goes down. But they do claim the Indians saw it, so who knows? It has some sort of historical significance before cars. That's right. That's right. Of course, there is a lot of mining, a lot of minerals in that area. Maybe there's some kind of electric uh, crystals get compressed and give off uh, electricity. Mm -hmm. Who knows? There's the old swamp gas. Swamp gas. I was going to mention swamp gas. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's usually UFOs. Yes.
0: (laughs) But it would be weird to have a constant light from any
4: of those sources. Yeah, yeah. But well, in my book, I say uh, paranormal or para headlights. You decide, because you know the stories are something more important than the reality. Plus, it's just fun to check out, too. Sure. Well, yeah, if you drive one way there, you go by Devil's Promenade. Uh, We started in the town of Pitcher, which is abandoned because uh, it's like three strikes and you're out. They have the underground lead and zinc mines, which are collapsing. They have the toxic waste from the mine pilings that has contaminated the land with lead. And then a huge tornado hit the town and wiped out most of it. So you're in this dead community, and then we were into twilight, going past Devil's Promenade, which is along this river, and then we go to the Spook Light. So, yeah, you could get yourself in quite a frame of mind there.
1: Yeah, that would certainly get you into a frame of mind.
4: <laughs> mm. <laughs> What's good. that noise? What's that noise? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you go near there to Galena, Kansas, They have a house near Cars on the Route, which Cars on the Route is an old restored Canotex gas station, which was where the animators for the movie Cars found their inspiration for Tow Mater, the actual tow vehicle that they saw. And across the street is an old, supposedly, bordello. And they call it the murder bordello because supposedly some murders happened there. But then there's controversy over that. So it's something like, it's an interesting story. I don't want to dig too deep, you know. (laughs) Uh, We were talking earlier... uh, Cuervo, New Mexico, where it's, it's not a supernatural activity, but it's activity of some really weird graffiti writers in these old abandoned churches, you know, Hmm. uh, of course, uh, 66 goes through many historic cities and areas. You have Indian legends. Okay. Two guns, Arizona is out near Winslow and there was an underground, well, I was gonna say underground cave. I think most caves are underground, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, supposedly some uh, Apache Indians came in from the south into the Navajo and Hopi area and were raiding. They were hiding in this cave, trapped and burned alive down there back in the old times. Ooh. Now, so they call that an Apache Death Cave. And, uh, you know, I've been down in the cave a few times, and it's kind of scary just trying to make your way through that maze of cracks in the rocks and things and think about rattlers and all, but... Mm. To me, uh, Route 66 is haunted by just the memories of all the people that lived there, worked there, and traveled there. You stand on the old cracked pavement, or you see an old ruin, and you see this ruin used to be a cafe or a motel or a gas station, and there were families that made their living there, and there were families like maybe Dust Bowl Okies stopped there and begged for food at the back door. Or maybe it was like the with the Negro Green Book, where the... Uh, The people had to follow the book to friendly places, like west of here at the uh, Oklahoma County uh, line is the Three Station owned by a black family. And uh, it was one refuge where uh, the Negro motorists back then could actually stop and get gas and food, you know. So there's many, many ghosts along Route 66, but to me it's the ghosts of the, the past culture, the memories, and the experiences.
1: Before we left for our Route 66 trip with no scheduled interviews, I was worried that we wouldn't find any stories and that the professor might drift into a depression. I am thrilled that we did get some great stories, but as a backup plan, I had reached out to a reporter friend in Luther who I knew did have some ghost stories. She wasn't able to meet with us in the morning when we first passed through Luther, but she was able to talk to us in the evening as we made our way home. For the record, could you tell us your first and last name and your title?
5: My name is Dawn, D-A-W-N, Shelton, S-H-E-L-T-O-N. I'm the publisher of the Luther Register and a coffee server here at this restaurant.
1: Dawn, thank you for having us out here in Luther today.
5: (laughs) You're welcome. You've been, you've had a great day on 66. I hear.
1: Yes, we have been. We've got some interesting stories, and now we're here to hear what Luther has to say. But before we get into that, I would like to know a little bit more about the place we're at. So tell us a little bit about Farmstead 46.
5: We are sitting here at the Farmstead Cafe, and you see the 46 in the logo. And you know what that? You know what 46 stands for?
1: I would assume it has to do with our state number. It
5: does. <laughs> and it's a, it is surprising and always cause for conversation when folks ask, what is the 46?" And we are the 46th state. It our owner, Matthew Winton, has a, a you know great love of history um, for the state of Oklahoma and Texas. Um, but the star 46 is something we latched onto to celebrate. So this is a little farm to table cafe right on Main Street in Little Luther, Oklahoma.
1: What kind of food do you serve here?
5: Tonight we're serving chicken shawarma in Luther, Oklahoma. And Mm -hmm. and a Reuben sandwich and a soup and a salad and we do breakfast, uh, breakfast combos with eggs and local bacon, local eggs when we can and uh, pancakes and breakfast casseroles and lunch. We do your soup and salad sandwich fare. So and you, a fresh bakery. So you've got a
1: rotating menu, essentially. Indeed. Yeah. Let's get started a little bit about the history of Luther. How did Luther get started? What's kind of like the general history of the town?
5: We mentioned that it was Garnettville, Garnet, Garnet, before it was Luther, and it was pre-statehood. So we're a little town on the corner of Oklahoma County long before Route 66 was here in the 1896-97. Uh, so the post office was here first and the town of Luther was established about that time. Mm-hmm. The Ozark Trail was a predecessor to Route 66 and encompassed Luther. The railroad also went through Luther and it was uh, you know, stopped and the town kind of you know, had a lot of commerce because of the train and the post office. And then that highway came and Luther died a little bit. The railroad stopped stopping and Luther died a little bit. And uh, then the turnpike came and Luther died just a little bit. But we're coming back.
1: Well, what can you find here now in Luther?
5: We have a growing community. Our main street is all of one to two blocks long. And it's vibrant and coming back alive after uh, being, you know, rather dormant for maybe a generation or longer. But in the day, you know, dry goods stores, bars and churches and a theater and uh, a real great community life Um, as we became more of a bedroom community and folks left, you know, for work, the town got smaller and smaller, but still... You know, a great community with a great little school and great neighbors here. I in the last four or five years, we've seen a resurgence with restaurants, with um, retail shops on our main street, with uh, uh, more restaurants. And, of course, we've always had the insurance agent that does great and the tag agent and all that. But we're seeing some more retail opportunities that were not here just a few years ago.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. What are some of the urban legends about Luther?
5: Urban legends around Luther. There's some urban legend about some hidden gold around here, hidden treasure. I personally have not hunted for it, but it might be something I might want to do. We could start a whole tour about it, you know? (laughs) Sounds like good industry. We're anxious for people to come here. Gold digging and Luther. Luther. We've had some other urban legends, and personally, I have I do not have any ghost stories for you, but I have heard some.
1: Hmm. What are some of those stories you've heard?
5: We've had I right after this restaurant opened in 2016, um, I also do the little online uh, newspaper here, uh, but a guy called me very excited because he was uh, around the corner on Apple Street, looking uh, taking photographs of a beautiful depression era little cottage home that was dilapidated and abandoned falling apart but it had great lines you know that giraffe bricking and he thought he saw a figure inside the abandoned house that hmm. through a window that he saw so he called me and had me look at it. of course there was no shadowy presence of a human there or anything by the time I got there but we stood and visited for it for a long time and I as I've told that story to other people around here it was all just a, well yeah yeah we have <laughs> we have some haunted buildings and haunted houses around Luther but uh you know it's it's not a it's not unusual but also it's not particularly scary I guess
0: just figures from the past
5: Figures from the past. Mm -hmm. Unsettled spirits or folks who still want to do another street dance. I don't know.
0: Anything downtown?
5: I've heard some across the street from where we are now uh, is an office building. And the folks who work in that office will say their coaster on their work desk might disappear or be moved from one day to the next. A light might be on or off. There might be unexplained noises. One of our shops downtown, she had a ding, a doorbell when you open the door, you know, to alert that someone's coming in. And more than once, she's had that ring with no guest in the store. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, a little unsettling. And when she would tell the girls next door at the office, they were all, oh, yeah, yeah, I think they call their spirit... Harold or Howard or something. I mean, it's it's a, it's good it's good natured, but it it's a he gets blamed for any unexplained uh, office happening.
1: Have you heard any stories about the old funeral home by any chance?
5: We have heard some, and I wish Jenny Bailey was here to talk about it because she uh, restarted our funeral home in our small town um, with a mission to help her neighbors and her family members and her friends um, during you know a terrible time of loss she started the funeral home to serve families in that special way um, obviously business in a small town and a funeral home is not great because when you want if you want her to have good business that means she's dealing with that mm-hmm. so um, she's used to that kind of joke and that uh, you know we want her to do well but
1: not too well but
5: not too well there you go um but you know funeral home it might be a cliche or trope that you would um have ghost stories surrounding a funeral home but there are uh tales of apparitions Hmm. tales of more noises and sightings door creaks but you might get in an old building anyway, but it's heightened when it's a funeral home. And we'll say, Jenny, in our funeral home is so awesome that at our pecan festival that we have in November, we have the pecan cook-off judging in the funeral home. Hmm. I haven't heard that there have been any, necessarily any, uh, sightings during, while, right, while people, hmm. no missing pecan pies or or while they're tasting that they see anything but it is fun that our celebrity judges go into the funeral home to taste pecan pies you know maybe on the embalming table or so no we're just kidding But it, it, anything it, for pecan pie that, that is right pecan pie and ghost stories in main street america there you have it but i have loved seeing luther wake up and be part of Route 66 and try new things and and see a small town come together as neighbors and friends and realize we're all on the same team Uh, and we have a beautiful town to offer anyone who wants to come visit or stay or come get beat by our football team or, you know, have a good hamburger or some chicken and maybe hear a story or two.
1: the sun was starting to set on our way back home, I could tell the professor was in much better spirits than when we started. As we arrived back in Oklahoma City, the professor's mood shifted. Like, he realized something. He went through his notebook and sent a text message to someone before he asked me, how soon do you think we can travel to El Reno?
2: is a production of the show now studios and is produced by dennis spielman the voice of sam saxton is dennis spielman the voice of professor jeff Deroot is jeff provine we would like to thank our guests for sharing their stories with us stephen conway susan portos jerry mcclanahan and don shelton to support this podcast and get bonus content visit talesunveiled.com this episode's advice comes from earl ozen some beautiful paths can't be discovered without getting lost